0: Christmas, i tell you what, let's sing.
1: Oh, come on, ye faithful, that's my favorite.
2: Everybody, I hope you've got some uh, liquor in your eggnog and you've got the mistletoe hanging over your Parker Stevenson posters. I know I do. It's the holiday episode of the May for TV Mayhem show. Yay! I'm so happy to be here because every year, uh, our annual tradition, it turns out, our second annual tradition, has been to bring Joanna Wilson on the show, who, as you know, is the foremost Christmas TV expert, um, not to be outdone. And she took time out of her busy schedule to come and talk to us about Christmas movies and to play a game with us. So let me start by uh, saying hello to Joanna. Hey, what's up?
3: Hi, Amanda. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'm drinking vodka. Oh,
3: that's great.
2: <laughs> it's super great. I had a really rough day, so I'm super excited about this game show. There's a lot I want to talk to you about. I know you have a lot going on. A matter of fact, I was just mentioning to my husband, I said, oh, yeah, we're going to be Skyping soon with Joanna. Oh, my gosh, she's all over the place, was what he said. So... Oh,
3: you sounds like I'm, <laughs> I'm really doing something. Thanks. You are.
2: So I can't wait to talk to you about that. But let me introduce my co-host, uh, Dan. Hey, what's up?
0: Uh, not much. I'm ready to uh, celebrate any and all of the holidays right now and, and do a great quiz.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm excited about mm-hmm, it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to give the reins over to Joanna because I think she's going to give us some really fun titles. Nate, are you there? I'm here. Are you wearing Christmas pajamas?
1: Uh, no, I'm wearing bat pajamas.
2: Well, that's holiday themed. (laughs) We're on (laughs) holiday. Are they wearing Santa hats, though?
1: No, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) Because, you know, one year I was really bored, and so I made these uh, holiday memes of TV movies, and I made the little Zuni Fetish doll with the Santa hat. That's awesome. (laughs) And everybody loved it. It went around the internet, and it went viral, and. It was amazing. Then I became famous. Since I brought up Mistletoe and Parker Stevenson, I'm curious. If you could hang up Mistletoe over any of your posters, who would you choose, Dan? Uh,
0: now, who did I have posters of? Uh, <laughs> um, I guess um, probably, you know, I had I had a couple of great Marilyn Monroe posters when I was a kid. I'd, I'd hang a, I'd hang a little Mistletoe over her and give her a smooch. Now, I know she wasn't in any TV movies, but... It's still festive. Yes. Okay, yes. Right. Joanna?
3: Wow, um, I had a I had a Rocky Three poster up <laughs> when I was a teenager. That'd be great.
2: Was it was it Stallone or Mr. T?
3: Oh, it was Stallone and okay. shirt, shirtless and looking all tough mm. and boss. Yeah. yeah, I think I, I think
2: I like that too. I might get a poster just to do the mistletoe thing <laughs> this year. Very eighties. It's, <laughs> it's very eighties, and I love it. Uh, Nate, um, I had a
1: lot of horror movie posters hanging up. So it'd probably be um uh, Ryan Philippe
2: okay <laughs> that's a good choice. you know what he got his start on my soap opera one Life to live
1: oh okay now it's it's at least somewhat associated
0: with television yeah. now,
2: yeah. Well, he's, I love him. I'll love him forever for being on One Life to Live. So, okay, I'm so glad we got that out of the way because I know everybody was dying to hear it. I,
0: I think that should be like a thing some <laughs> we all do next year, like just get a poster, put it on the wall, and hang mistletoe above it. And then we poise next to the person in the poster pretending to kiss them. I think.
2: You, you act like I don't do that already.
0: I haven't seen the pictures. Hello. what? Yeah, I'm your, I'm, I
2: don't want it, I don't want the incriminating I, evidence or the restraining orders.
0: If you don't show me your co-host, I, who, who do you show them to,
2: huh? <laughs> my husband. Uh, ah. Yeah. And then he gives me my medicine.
0: <laughs> you mean the glug glug, glug medicine or the uh, actual, like, medicine, medicine?
2: I like to mix and match sometimes. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. You can see where the show's going. <laughs>
2: So okay. So let's let's get to Joanna. So um you've got a new book out, right? The Triple Dog Dare Watching and Surviving the Twenty Four Hour Marathon of a Christmas Story. That's right. right. Which is a really interesting book because you sort of mixed in a lot of things. Now I know Dan's read it. Yes, twice. Um so exactly. yeah. so he may have better questions for you, but what I thought was so interesting was it's sort of like my impression is that some of it is like a personal diary of it, right? So you're actually cataloging what's happening while you're watching it. and and mixed in with facts about the film and about Bob Clark and the screenwriter who I'm forgetting their name is. Did you say it was Gene Shepard? I feel bad that I don't even know that. And you also, uh, the Amazon review talked about like uh, what it's like to have a hyper viewing experience. And I think that all of those are fascinating, especially combined into not just one book, but a book surrounded on one film that traditionally many, many people watch every year. Now I'm curious, how did you come up with the idea for this? Was this something that had been simmering in your head, or did you just decide to do it? You watching a marathon recently?
3: Well, I watched the marathon every year, but it sort of started with, um, you know, because I'm a Christmas entertainment writer, uh, journalists and, and even readers often, you know, every year they ask me if I watched the 24 hour marathon of a Christmas story. And the truth is, I do. It's on in the background. Well my family goes about celebrating we tune it in on Christmas Eve and it it runs on our television in the background through Christmas Day but the truth is I don't watch all of it I, mean, I don't think anybody does I I doubt Turner Broadcasting execs expect anybody to watch all of it most of us just watch it once or twice in its entirety during that time and but it runs as the background of, you know, American Christmases. But um, I was reflecting on how I'm asked that every year. And, and every year I say, no, well, I don't think anybody watches all 24 hours, do they? And then I, I felt the tingle. I'm like, I'm going to take that Triple Dog Dare challenge. I'm going to watch all 24 hours and see, <laughs> see what happens. And so that's when I wrote about it. I documented that 24-hour experience. I watched the movie 12 times, including commercials, back-to-back, no stopping, no pausing and and documented that experience and then wrote about it but because I'm a Christmas entertainment writer I'm not the average casual viewer of that that movie either I bring um you know pop culture fanaticism and fandom and a perspective of other Christmas entertainment with it and so it's a lot of commentary about pop culture it's commentary about what this movie means to the American public and its influence and and I speculate on its success and its popularity and I, I talk about the phenomenon of the marathon itself, um, there is no nothing really to compare it to. This is a 30-plus-year-old movie that has aired in a 24-hour marathon on television for the past 20 years. I mean, nothing else exists like this on television. It's its own strange phenomenon, and it deserves reflection and and, and talking about.
2: Uh, I agree, and I, I think you hit on so many things that I want to talk about. It's like I, uh, I'm not even sure where to start. You said something about like um documenting the experience and having it play in the background. And it's so true. Like every year, everybody has a holiday viewing experience, if they're into the holiday. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who aren't. But like, if you like to like every year, I watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. I mean, that's just a given. Now, I do sit down and watch that. But that's only 90 minutes. Now, if I had it on for 24 hours, I would only stop for maybe the scenes where Billy's naked. You know what I mean? But but the rest of it I would probably just let play. But I think that's so interesting how it's become – it's a very important film, and it's a great film, but also it's, like, interwoven into our own family life. Yes. And, you know, and I love that, that there's something romantic about that. You know what I mean?
3: Very much so. And it's very personal, and it has really sparked a a very devoted fan base. There are an awful lot of real super fans to this movie, and um, not every movie, you know, Inspires people to really be devoted to it quite like this, and it's it's become a tradition. Watching the twenty four hour marathon of a Christmas story has become a tradition for many families, just like singing carols and decorating the tree and having a, a holiday meal. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon.
2: So I know you go into it in more depth in the book, but just pick like a thing you think is partially responsible for this devotion.
3: I think the movie is rich enough that it it has many things going for it. So it's not just one simple answer of what makes this movie very right. popular. But I think one of the strongest things is its sense of humor. Gene Shepard uh, is the writer who wrote the short stories. There are five short stories that are actually woven together um, that are adapted to make this movie. And uh, his sense of humor, he's also the narrator then for the for the movie. And so he brings an authenticity, his own voice and his own participation in this film. He brings a participate, an authenticity into that film, but his sense of humor is it's irreverent without being vulgar. And it's offbeat without being, um, you know, sacrilegious and audiences are ready to, for that sort of style of sense of humor, even with their families. And so I think it's really touched with, uh, a lot of Americans right now at this time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So just two nights
2: ago, the Alamo here in Austin showed Black Christmas, which is also a Bob Clark film and uh, another yearly viewing for many people, myself included. And what's so interesting about, and I you could include Porky's in this as well, although now we're getting into like the more lowbrow humor, but he, Bob Clark's sensibility with humor especially in a movie like Black Christmas where he intersperses it in a film that's actually really terrifying. is so fascinating. And when he does comedies, like Porky's has a lot of, you know, locker room humor. But there's things in it that are just that translate so well that I think you could almost drop an audience off into the middle of it. And they don't even have to know the story. And there are just scenes that are really funny because he's really good with handling humor. And I would say the same applies for Christmas Story. And along with Porky's, there's like a real sense of nostalgia to those too, because they're set in this time when our perspectives as a youth is different than they would be as an adult. So they're they're tinged with like, um, I keep using the word romanticism, but that's kind of how I see it. And I think Bob Clark's really good at that. He had a very strong hand, I think, at humor.
3: I think you're right. He he, he knows nostalgia and he also has a strong sense of humor and he he brings these very strongly into um, his works. Uh, I think you're right there.
2: Yeah, he's just he's really I don't know as much about Gene Shepard, but I think when you were talking about the humor, I think I could see how Bob Clark would be attracted to something like that, because I think looking at Black Christmas as an example, he tries to find humor in all kinds of situations. You know what I mean? And and he does it in these really miraculous ways, you know, and that movie is less about nostalgia. But I but I definitely I mean, porkys it's just that's kind of where he his heart was, I think. So I think that's so fascinating. And um, were you on NPR yesterday talking about it?
3: Yeah, out of Cleveland, they were doing a segment on uh, shopping local, and uh, they included me in it. That was that was a lot of fun.
2: Oh, I bet. Now, you got candy, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, they give, they give <laughs> candy too. Uh, I'm a candy whore. Um, they give uh, candy to everybody that participated, so I was really happy with that.
2: That's so cool. And you just did a tour recently too. Was that for Archie? The snowman. I didn't you just recently do like a book signing and you did some sort of talk outside. I remember you took a photo.
3: Oh, I I. Yeah. With my I wrote a local history book about. uh, Oh, Akron. Yeah. Here in Akron, Ohio, where I live. And uh, the Christmas attractions here in Akron are are a big deal. Everybody. um, Many generations are really uh, connected to that history here. And I wrote a book about that that came out a year ago. We have, uh, on our downtown street, we have many uh, historical Christmas window displays put up year after year. And uh, I uh, did a walking tour of that, um, those windows and talked about the history of each of those uh, set collections, those display sets, and uh, it was very popular. Oh, that sounds like so
2: much fun. I also feel like uh, you've basically, I don't know, we've known each other for a few years now, but it feels like you're pretty much putting out books like yearly. Is that pretty correct?
3: Well, I've done that the last couple of years. Yeah.
2: Do you have another thing planned for next Christmas?
3: Not yet. Okay. <laughs> well, I was looking at I remember last
2: year we talked about um, the Merry Musical. Uh, I'm forgetting the last word of that. Merry Musical yeah. Christmas. And right. you have, that's the first volume.
3: There- I, yeah. The first volume is out on sitcoms and dramas. That's about the best musical performances in uh, TV episodes. Is there a second volume coming at this point,
2: or is that going to be on a different subject, and this is just uh, the first volume is just this theme, and then you're going to take on another topic?
3: Well, that's the first um, in a, a five-volume series about music in uh, oh, okay, entertainment. So the next volume that comes out will be um, the best music in children's entertainment or children's Christmas entertainment. There'll be another one about the best music in Christmas movies. That's be There'll fantastic. be another one on um the best music in Christmas animation. And the last one is uh the best music in Christmas variety specials.
2: Ugh, alright. Do it now because I need it.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. Like just stop whatever you're doing and start writing. Now, Dan, you read the book. Do you have any questions or anything you want to say about it? I know you left a really nice review on Amazon uh,
0: I, I don't have any questions on it. I think, I think the, the joy of the book is that it's, um, this time of year is the uh, time when I listen to a lot of jazz, and the book has a sort of very jazzy feel where it's, it's, it breaks itself up. Well, early on it has the preparation and all the setup, and then it's, then it's broken down into the individual uh, screenings of the movie. And within each screening, she starts the movie, and then she just begins riffing all over the place on Christmas, pop culture, this, that, and the other thing. And you never know where it's going to go. And it's really a lot of fun. And there's always, and my, my favorite moments, and this pops up a few times in there, are those moments when, Joanna, you, you stand up and you rewind the tape that you're watching the movie on. <laughs> and for about, within the 24 hours, there's probably, I don't know, maybe two minutes. Within each two hour stretch, where the tape is rewinding, and there's nothing going on, and it's sort of like I don't know some sort of like calm moment before it all begins again
4: and
0: I, <laughs> and I really enjoyed the heck out of the book, like I said I read it once when I got it uh, maybe a month and a half ago, and then I read it again last week so it's, it, it is excellent, and it is something you should probably buy um, now. hey, why not right huh? a second. and you don't have You'll to be, and you don't have to be. I, I saw A Christmas Story the weekend it came out in the theaters uh, with my stepdad because we saw the trailer. And the moment Ralphie is going down the slide and he stops himself and turns himself around, I said, Dad, we got to go see that. And he said, oh, yeah, we do. So we went out in the middle of a mm-hmm. blizzard and we went to see it and loved it. But it's not a movie. It's, I watch Black Christmas every year, but I don't actually watch A Christmas Story every year. I watch it when I get a chance to, but it's, it, it, even though it's not one of my absolute favorites, don't let that, if, if it's the same with you, don't let that discourage you. The book is a yeah. wonderful read, wonderful read.
2: Well, it sounds like it transcends, you know, just the film itself, yes. which is, uh, you know, I mean, I guess what the point of it, right? Because we're talking about how these traditions come into our lives and mm-hmm. I, among other things that Joanna's talked about. But I mean, that in and of itself makes it like a must read because I love like cultural touchstones. You know, that's like mm-hmm. a big thing for me right now with my own book, which I'll talk about at the end of this podcast. Oh. Um, but you know what I mean? Like there's just uh, things that created like water cooler talk, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can still call it that, I guess, still, but in our lives, you know, things that we all share and within our family and and within our lives in the world. And so I I love that stuff. Um, And so, Nate, are you a fan of A Christmas Story?
1: Yes, I watch it every year.
2: Oh, do you? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you watch it with Black Christmas to get the Bob Clark twofer?
1: Well, me and Grant Grant have a tradition of uh, Christmas horror, so I wait and watch the Christmas horror with Uh you we watch Black Christmas we watched Tales from the Dark Side episode, Seasons of Belief.
2: Oh, and yeah. We watched
1: the Joan Collins, Tales from the Crypt, Killer Santa. And then we watched the TV version, Tales from the Crypt, Killer Santa.
2: That's with Larry Drake, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. awesome.
2: Yes. Um, so how old were you when you discovered – you're a little younger than us. So how old were you when you discovered A Christmas Story? Oh, goodness. I was
1: probably – I probably watched it when I was about four or five, I would say.
2: Wow. And and do you have you watched it every year since then, or is it just a more recent thing as an adult?
1: It's become a more recent thing. Wes really likes it, so yeah, it's kind of a tradition now.
2: Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I don't watch it every year, but it's one of those things. If it's on, I'll definitely watch it. I didn't see it until I was much older, and I'm not sure why. It just came, like, on TBS or something one night, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll watch this. Yeah. It was great, and I couldn't believe how funny it was, like, laugh out loud funny. <laughs> and I don't know why I missed the boat on it but there are so many movies. Like I don't remember seeing nine to five when it came out either. I saw it like as a teenager and it played also played on TBS. TBS was my gateway to like everything. And, but they played every movie like four or five times during the week. Cause they had just certain licensing rights, you know? And so if they were going to play Christmas story, you were going to catch it like every day that week. So I remember nine to five, they played like three or four times that week. And I watched it every single viewing. I don't remember doing that with the Christmas story, but I do remember catching it. Like if it came on TV, I would watch it. I've never tried the marathon, and I don't know that I could do a 24-hour marathon of anything, like you said, even if it's a variety of films. Like, I don't know if I could sit and watch 24-hour slashers. Uh, there's just a point where I have to stop. But I do have a friend that does James Bond marathons, oh, and yeah. he watches them from the start to the end, and he pretty much just forces himself to
0: stay awake through the whole thing.
3: Yeah, it was a challenge. It was not easy. It was hard. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. It was worth it. The so- oh, I think
0: the, so. the soap sequence in the book is hilarious.
3: You think so? I think so.
0: It might, you know, it might not have been for the writer, possibly, but uh, it's a good read. <laughs> I will. I won't tell you what's going on, but.
3: It it was completely not planned. It was <laughs> impromptu, and, and I'm embarrassed to buy it, but I'm glad everybody else loves it because that makes <laughs> me happy.
0: <laughs> and may, I, may I ask one question, what everyone thinks, and I guess especially you, Joanna, What and I hope we didn't talk about this last year, but about once a year I think about it. What year do you think Christmas Story takes place in? I know Bob Clark has said that it's not meant to be one specific year, but if you kind of pay attention to it, there is one specific year it could be in.
3: Well, actually, I think um, – I paid an awful lot of attention to this. I sure. think they purposefully muddied the mm. date so that it wouldn't be any particular year. There are things that are sort of contradictory, mm. um, but it's somewhere between, you know, 39
0: and 44. I and if, Oh, I'm sorry.
3: You're not wrong in saying, you know, 1940 or 41, it, um, but I think they purposefully, uh, you know, made it so that it wouldn't pinpoint to exactly one year.
0: I think my thought on it is that it's definitely um, World War II or before. It's not after World War II. And I think, I think, I always think it's either 39 or 40. Because being a big fan of old time radio, if you listen to radio from November, December of 1941, all they were talking about was the war. And the war is never mentioned once in the movie. And during the 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 forty one to forty four, that's they were mentioning that all the time. So I would say it's either thirty nine or forty. And I say I say it's thirty nine, one, because of Wizard of Oz being at the um, the parade. Now they could have been there in nineteen forty two, uh, not not nineteen forty two, nineteen forty also. And but I think my big the big thing for me is what is it Little Orphan Annie, being sponsored by Ovaltine, which is a big part of the movie. Little Orphan Annie, uh, Ovaltine stopped sponsoring Little Orphan Annie in early 1940. Christmas of, right. 19, Christmas of 1939 was the last time they sponsored them. So, I, and I know it doesn't matter in the end of the at the end of the day, but it's just you're one just of those,
2: showing off. That's it's, all.
0: It's one of those nerdy things, you know. Hey, you know, I watch some nerdy stuff, and you know, uh, so it's like I sit there and I go, I think this is 1939, and my wife rolls her eyes and says, "Who cares?" <laughs> <Nice>. sorry, <laughs> love. sorry, sorry. Just pass me the
3: drink. <laughs> another um nerdy detail to know that the um decoder pin that he's using mm-hmm. is actually dated 1940
0: oh interesting okay huh So, yeah oh, it can't nice.
3: be before 40 oh me.
0: amanda don't give me that yeah like that did were you giving me a sass yeah was that a... i was I <laughs> well I, I was just like i said it's the oval team it's such a big thing in it and they weren't sponsoring little orphan annie i can find out who was sponsoring little orphan annie in about a minute I just have a book next to me. I can look it up. But um, but then 1939, 1940, I'll go for one of those. But
2: two. then we won't have time to play fun game shows, which is...
0: Let's do fun game shows. There
2: so Let's what do. I did was I asked Joanna to come in and sort of be the Jim Lang, Jim Perry, Burt Convey, Richard Dawson, Gene Rayburn of the group tonight. So what she's going to do, is if you listen to our last game show episode, which was a few months ago, what I did was I picked out some... TV movie titles, I tried to go with what I thought sounded fairly generic, and then I asked Dan and Nate to come up with the synopsis, uh, and if they could cast the film and maybe give it a production year, and um, the answers were incredible. Uh, We got a really nice response to that, including some really amazing artwork from Shannon, which is on our website, And, uh, and it was really fun, and I think it was a nice way to sort of get back into the swing of things, which is what I'm doing now, because I just got back from a long trip, and... Um, I've been frazzled and I haven't had time to do things the way I'd like. But Joanna is the expert and she was more than happy to come here, which I'm so pleased with because I know she's super busy. So I'm giving her the reins to give us the titles and then we're going to come up with the plot lines. So um, why don't you go ahead and get it started, Joanna?
3: Okay, and I want to make it clear, I have um, in my list here, it might be a TV movie or it might be a Christmas animation. Either one.
2: Ooh. Joanna's so edgy. That's why I like her. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. So for the first title, Silent Night.
2: Oh, gee. So do you want to go ahead and, like, pick who should go first or should we just sort of set up a system? You go ahead. Okay. Um, do you want to go
0: Amanda, Dan, Nathan, then Dan, Nathan, Amanda, sort of like that?
2: Yeah, we could sort of do it where everybody gets a one a chance to go first, and we'll uh-huh. go alphabetically. Does okay. that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So okay. So Silent Night, that is very generic. I know. I think I know what Silent Night, Lonely Night is. Maybe. Okay. So I'm gonna just <clears> go <throat> since I said his name and since he's on my brain because he's always on my brain. I'll go ahead and say this is a Burt Comby Comby winter romance about a divorced man living in New York advertising executive who doesn't know how to make time for other people because he's so obsessed with uh, his marketing campaigns. I'm trying to think of a really quirky marketing campaign. And of course I can't think of any, like let's say this one's for like uh, Christmas ornaments, the ding dong uh, silver bell. Right. So, um, and the bell rings and you put it on your tree and it has a ding dong. So while he's working on these marketing campaigns, he is uh, assigned, um, somebody from the company, like the vice president or whatever, who oversees it. And uh, we'll go ahead and do a Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader reunion uh, and say Jane Seymour is the executive. And, whoa, somebody washing something? I'm
0: sorry, that's my dog. I'm going to make her go away. I apologize. That
2: <laughs> sounded like a washboard. <laughs> give,
0: me, give me a minute. I'm going to go away for a minute. I'll be right back. Okay.
2: And uh, um, and do she's in a Michael loveless Donald? marriage. And, but she's afraid to say anything about it. And she's also closed off from her emotions. And the film is about them getting together uh, to find love and romance. And it is through their silence. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I can't make time for emotions. It's their silent <laughs> night.
0: And I'll say like that,
2: 85. So. That sounds, that sounds great. Yeah, I would see it. I, I mean, I have seen it in my head. <laughs> and it was really good. Okay. Are you ready, Dan?
0: You shall chair I go.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my plot synopsis isn't going to be as intricate as yours, so I was finished like three minutes ago.
0: I'm sorry. I had an idea for something, <laughs> and then my dog started scratching everything. And um, so, uh. so what, what, what was it? Silent Night? Okay, here we go. Does everyone remember when daredevils were all the rage? 76, 77? <laughs>
2: sure.
0: Well, there's a, there's a guy we're going to call him, uh, Crashing, Crash, Crash Man Roger, played by David Jansen. And he's a well-known um, daredevil, and he he jumps over a lot of things. He breaks his arms and legs a lot, and because he does these crazy daredevil things, he uh, he never he's never sort of maybe in the beginning of the movie, maybe he you see him with Lee Grant, and she's breaking up with him because he just won't stop risking his life. He just can't. He he has to do it. And so what he's going to do is this Christmas, a casino on top of a mountain somewhere in the U.S. I don't know. Are there such things? Maybe in Switzerland or something. He's going to do for for Christmas, his big stunt is going to be, they're going to put him inside like a giant Santa sack and then tie up the top and then throw him out a third-story window so he rolls down the mountain. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> and But what happens is, as we are getting close to the date, that's going to be Christmas Eve, he meets a young woman, uh, played by Farrah Fawcett, because it's it's um uh, it's uh, a Harry O reunion sort of. <laughs>
2: um, well, we're doing a reunion tonight.
0: Yeah, and, and um, I, I'm sorry I didn't hear yours, Amanda, because I was oh that's okay. I reunited.
2: I reunited Jane Seymour with Burt Convey from Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, and so he's, he's getting ready to get thrown out the... And he's like, he's, he's like jumping out of the first story window in like, like a smaller bag and roll, like a potato sack. And he's just practicing. He's getting higher and higher up the building. And he meets this woman played by Farrah Fawcett. We'll call her Anne, maybe. Anne's a good name. And Anne is legally mute. It's like being legally blind. But it's like, you know, when you're, like, legally blind, you could still see some stuff, but not enough to sort of drive. She's legally mute, which means she'll say stuff, but not enough to, like, put in a full order at a restaurant. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, she'll, like, they'll ask her what she wants, and she'll say, I'll have a, I'll have a hamburger. And how would you like that done? And then she'll just stop because of her condition. So her sister is there with her at all times saying, finishing her sentences and that kind of thing. And uh, the uh, Roger kind of falls for Anne, and Anne kind of shyly falls for Roger. And he sort of sees through her that you don't have to be loud and raucous all the time. Sometimes you can be a little silent. You can be a little oh, quiet.
3: Oh, I love that. And
0: so when <laughs> when as as the big stunt is 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 uh, uh, ranching up and uh, ratcheting up, and they're like like you, you can imagine the hotel is on like the side of a mountain. And they're like all – everyone's leaning out of their windows, like six or seven stories. They're all leaning out of their windows and they're looking at this big platform they've got set up coming out of like a third-story window. And, you know, he's there and Anne's nearby and Anne's sister's nearby. And, you know, he looks over at Anne and he says, Anne, do you want me to do this? And Anne will look at him and say, I just – and then the sister will say, want you to be happy. And, and sometimes she gets it wrong, and Anne has to lean in and whisper something in her ear. Oh no, she just wants you to not die, or something like that. And so the big, the big, the big climactic moment—they start to put him in the sack. Does he get thrown down the mountain or not? Or does he decide to take the more sort of? Does he decide on a silent night rather than one where mm. he's thrown off a building in a sack and rolled down a mountain? So that's that's it. That's that silent night.
2: Wow. That's a movie. <laughs> I, hope I, just, I hope I didn't run <laughs> out of all fight? my ideas for I, the Night no. <laughs> It was good. I, I would watch
1: it. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up
2: <laughs> um,
1: at all. Um, for some reason, when, when you said Silent Night, what popped into my head was like a um, more of a crime movie, like a kidnapping, ransom movie. Like, I picture, like, a young Morgan Fairchild is, like, the spoiled, like, um, daughter of, like, a business tycoon that owns, like, department stores. And it's Christmas season. And instead of being concerned with giving, she's very greedy. And then she ends up getting kidnapped. And I do think that she learns her lesson in the end. That she giving, <laughs> and at the end, she goes to the local uh, children's, you know, home and passes out gifts. So it's got a happy ending.
2: And, and they air. As... <laughs> oh, go, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say it's not as intricate as uh, Dan's
2: plot, but. Well,
1: um...
2: but you have a tie-in because they could air it right be- right after they air that Mork and Mindy episode where she's the friend that kind of invites herself over on Christmas. Yes. Oh. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? And then that would almost be like an extension of that character.
0: Oh wow. Yes. Yeah. yes. yes. There you go. Good so, Nate am. Nate always sneaks in something in there where you're like you just gotta catch it and you're like, Oh, well done, sir. It,
2: well you know played. where you know where Nate well first of all a lot of Nate's stuff is horror-centric, which I'm always drawn to, but like he always gets me with the cast.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: You know, he all he had to say was Morgan Fairchild and I was like tuning in. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So, Joanna, do you want to tell us what the movie is actually about?
3: Sure. Although I'm really interested in seeing these three movies. Um, (laughs) I'm actually a big fan of Silent Night. It's a 2002 TV movie starring Linda Hamilton. Oh, wow. It's a TV movie based on a true story that that took place during the Battle of the Bulge in the Ardennes Forest in Christmas 1944. Oh, wow. Wow. Linda, Linda Hamilton plays Frau Winken. And she and her she, she and her son Fritz flee their home in the city for a hunting cabin in the woods. Wait, Frau Winken and Fritz flee? Yes. <laughs> so during, cool. during fierce fighting near the end of World War II.
0: <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it flying.
3: That's awesome. On Christmas Eve, so close to the front lines of battle, three American soldiers lost in the woods burst into the cabin, looking to escape the cold and snow, and one of them is seriously wounded. Frau Winken agrees to to offer them hospitality as long as they lay down their weapons. The Americans agree to trust her until three German soldiers also arrive seeking shelter and escape from the cold. Um, Frau Winken convinces everyone to abide by one night of peace. However, it's one long tension-filled Christmas Eve for everyone. And what will happen on Christmas Day when the soldiers have to leave the cabin.
2: Very exciting. It's actually a nice, it's good. different
3: than your, yeah, it's different than your average uh, TV Christmas movie. So, and it's, it's well made. It's well put together.
4: Check it out. What do you think, Sarge? Oh, it's not bad. <laughs> ah, let see what else we got here. Ah, yes. A no little more snow,
5: huh? Mm. I see you are not a traditionalist, Frau Wink. I know. How's that? The Lloyd is referring to the fact that in our country, the children are not present for the decorating of the tree. That's a bad deal. I miss half the fun. Yes. But as we all know, our hostess prefers to do things her own way.
4: Nothing wrong with that. If there are more of you like her, not one of us would be here right now. <laughs> I'd be back in Brooklyn in my mother's kitchen, sipping vino, <laughs> get my hand slapped
5: for mooching her spaghetti sauce.
2: Wow. I have never heard of that. But I don't know so much about the 2000s. Like, I know there was some good stuff coming out, but um, I think I kind of dropped off. But that's actually something. Plus Linda Hamilton's in it. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, right
3: she's here.
2: strong. She's great. Yeah, I love her. So, uh, should we vote on this one? God, That's man. a tough one, because I actually think that the real story sounds incredible, because good, you're yeah. right, it doesn't sound like, it's not like Miss Miracle Part 8, you know what I mean? Which are good movies, but like, very fairly typical of the Christmas holiday film. But of course, Dan always comes up with something super intricate, and then he threw Lee Grant in there. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and I love her. Does she slap him around and stuff?
0: She they, they it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't end well. It's that's the opening scene of the movie. Is him trying to win her back, but he won't stop uh daredeviling. And she he cause, cause he has a degree as a CPA, but he just won't use it.
2: Well, I wouldn't either if I were a daredevil. <laughs> Nate, do you have a preference for any of those films?
0: I don't
1: know. I'm probably gonna have to go with Dan's on this one. I like yeah. his uh, very in-depth description. <laughs>
2: well, Legally Mute is hard to talk as a TV <laughs> movie. trope. <I should. laughs> so, I mean, you hit it on the head right there. <laughs> so Do you want to go to the next one, Joanna? Yes. Or do you, did Joanna pick a preference? Did she have
3: one that she wanted to? I like Dan's, too. I just, this past summer, I watched the George, George Hamilton, uh, evil Knievel movie. Oh,
2: sure. Oh, yeah.
3: And so uh, that was reminding me of that. And uh, <laughs> I also Dan's.
2: Awesome. What's the
3: what's the next
2: one, Joanna?
0: Round two. Round two. One Christmas. It's called One Christmas? Yes. Okay, Dan? One now, uh I it's it's called One Christmas, but to a lot of people it's it's known as One Christmas for Grandmas. And the star <laughs> of the movie is Myrna Loy in her last movie appearance. And basically, she plays in each of the time zones, sort of, you know, New Year's Evil, but not quite. No one gets killed. Um, I don't even know why I brought up New Year's Evil, because it's in time zones. Um, each, the movie cuts between the four time zones in the U.S., and Myrna Loy plays a grandma in each time zone who gets fed up with how um, she's kind of half ignored, half. Humored as she tells her stories about the past and that kind of stuff, because her all the families of the grandmas are very like you know they're 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 hip young you know I guess when did Myrna Lloyd die I was going to put yuppies in it but I'm not a hundred percent sure when did, but that sort of person sort of a yuppie esque kind of like you know go 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 and our kids are go 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 and that kind of thing and Grandma just wants to sit and she just wants to enjoy Christmas she wants to. You know, she wants to hang the mistletoe over her poster of Rudolph Valentino and maybe give him a little, you know, grandma's like that. And what happens is, in all four time zones, and maybe simultaneously in like four, um, four images on one screen, all four grandmas write a little note that say, we're running away from home. And the and the movie is about the grandmas going on adventure. And remember that they're in different time zones. So the grandma on the west coast is most likely in. It might be raining, but it's probably going to be relatively warm. You know, grandma in Denver is. You know, maybe she's she wants to go see uh, who is it? Crash man Roger jump out a building. You know, the one in the 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 east coast, like up in New England, she's freezing and stuff like that. You know, but they all go out and they have these adventures where they learn about what other people do on Christmas. Possibly they learn that their families aren't so bad. I'd love at least one of the lessons they learn one of the grandmas learns is that yeah, their family actually is pretty bad. And um maybe it'd be better. One of one of them stays run run runned away, sort of. And but that's that's sort of and it's sort of You you get kind of this theme of um, forgetting um, or or kind of not involving the older older generation in Christmas properly. And my dog is beginning to scratch on another. Chair and sorry. So so you have the um. So so you have these four grams and it cuts between them. And Myrna Loy is p- putting in a tour de force it's four very different characters. And you just you 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 go across. You go from one side of the U.S. To, it's like you're it's like you're running your hands across the keys of a piano. And she just she's just beautifully doing it. And maybe like in all four of them, her husband is Ernest Borgnine. But in some of them, her husband is alive. But in others, he's only a picture. You know he's past. He's a memory, and so this is this is this is this is the one Christmas where four grandmas decided to run away from home. Be there, oh. CBS Friday night day. <laughs> so that's. I'm tuning it.
2: in. I'm tuning in, Nate.
1: <laughs> um, one Christmas. That's a tough one. I'm gonna say I picture it being an, I'll picture it being the animated one, and I think it's about a very poor town, and they have a Christmas tree, but they don't have enough money for decorations, so this group of kids go on a quest to find all the decorations they can to decorate the tree, and it's very, it's not like your typical decorations, you know, it's like uh, they're very innovative. And they're more innovative than I am because I can't think of these decorations, but they're very innovative and they do think of them. I
2: just can't. <laughs> don't pitch it that way to the network executive, Nate. That's I point. don't think I can, <laughs> yeah.
1: My my imagination is, is running away from me.
2: The first thing I thought of was what I said <laughs> that really stupid ornament that Bert Convey was working on in my movie, which was like the ding-dong Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> this
1: could tie in with your movie.
2: It's a crossover. But then I thought maybe the kids would find that they don't need fancy ornaments and they would just use stuff from the forest. And then they would end up building like. That
1: could be the lesson. You've helped make this movie much more interesting <laughs> than my description.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, but that's what, I, that's what I pictured when you were talking about it. And I pictured that Frosty the Snowman animation. That's
1: exactly what I was picturing, the <laughs> Frosty animation. but
2: I would see that. That actually sounds really good. Plus, you could have like a super poor town in a cartoon, and you don't feel quite as bad for everybody.
1: Yeah, this is true.
2: So, um, do you have any voices? Like, do you have any particular actors? I always? really
1: don't know who would be a, who is that would be good voice actors. I guess for what about uh, the
2: TV kid special? from House from the Cemetery?
1: Oh yeah, that Giovanni was it Frezza? I think
2: Whatever that is. with the ki- yeah. guy that the lady that does his voice, Mama, Mama, <laughs> yes. I'm scared to go downstairs, Mama
0: does Peter Bark do voices I don't
2: know if he does Peter Bark does the live animation part like he's the live action part of it
0: he's at the beginning and the end
2: mama mama smells like death in here mama I think that would get some viewers at least the Peter Bark crowd would definitely show up I'm watching it Um, do you have anything else you want to add to that
1: no uh, they use pine needles (laughs) to decorate the tree
2: (laughs) I like it um So I got stuck on this one too because the first thing I thought of was One Direction and that was all (laughs) I could think of while you guys were talking. So I'm going to go ahead and say this is about a group of kids in a group home in the 70s. The McNichols and Leith Garrett are the three stars. And they've decided that they're going to form a band. And they're going to be like the Up With People band. And through this, this isn't going to be very intricate at all, but through like their hardships becoming like famous and becoming like a role model for kids from broken homes and things like that. They also learn that they've built their own family on that one Christmas. And I'll say, I'll say like on Christmas, they end up playing Carnegie hall and they end up singing something like name a good leaf Garrett song. I I can do Sean Cassidy. I don't know if I can do leaf Garrett, but they they'll play one of leaf Garrett's hits to like end the film.
0: I can't think of a leaf Garrett hit. I I
2: have one of his records, but he I did can't like remember. a do
0: run run kind of song, right? But he, well, but,
2: let's just say Sean Cassidy's in there. That'll make it okay. easier for me because <laughs> cause he did do that, right? So yeah. uh, and then Parker Stevenson shows up and marries me. It's so good,
3: but anyway, so, <laughs> so
2: anyway, that's that's my movie. My movie is One Christmas inspired by One Direction, but set in the seventies.
1: <laughs> you can't go wrong. No, I love
0: it. I love it. It'll get the tweens. That's what we want. We want yeah. to pull in the tweets.
2: <laughs> so, what is this movie about, Joanna? And by the way, this is like the most generic Christmas title I've ever heard.
3: Yeah, and and that was sort of its attraction. But it, you, your, all three, of your projects sound interesting as well. Actually, One Christmas is a nineteen ninety four TV movie starring Henry Winkler, Oh, Catherine Hepburn, Oh, Swo- Kurtz. Oh, and, you're getting me. And even Julie Harris. Wow. And it's What's actually it? based on a Truman Capote short story. And it's a nice follow-up to his earlier Christmas story called A Christmas Memory, if anybody's familiar oh, with yes. that. yeah, yeah. Which has also been adapted for uh, TV a couple of times. Um, in the 60s, it was done with Geraldine Page, and in the uh, 90s, it was done with Patty Duke. Oh, um, But this is a follow-up story, and again, it's based by the great American author uh, Truman Capote. It's actually a a very uh, emotional holiday TV movie that tells the story of eight-year-old Buddy following, you know, the Christmas memory story. Eight-year-old Buddy goes to stay with his father, who he's estranged from. Uh, He's forced to stay with him in New Orleans for one Christmas during the Depression. And Buddy struggles to get along with his father, who is actually a con man who calls himself an entrepreneur, but uh, schemes a gambling racket on airplane races, and he sweet talks wealthy women into supporting his lifestyle. And the difficult father-son relationship is strained in both directions, though both desire for family that um, neither one of them can really fulfill for each other. And Catherine Hepburn uh, has a small role, but she's in here. She plays a New Orleans society grand dame that Henry Winkler, who is uh, Buddy's father, uh, is trying to con money out of, but she sees right through him. And ac- Julie Harris has a small role. She plays Cousin Sook, and Cousin Sook is actually a major character in A Christmas Story, although here she's just featured very briefly, uh, I believe, at the end. If, you've, if you're if you familiar with A Christmas Story, or uh, Chris, pardon me, A Christmas Memory, uh, either version from... Um, television or even the short story it's it's a very emotional poignant uh, never forget sort of story so this is a nice follow-up uh movie
5: i never had any children of my own frankly i don't much care for them are you, are you all right do you want something i don't want any more lies so it's the truth you're after a highly overrated commodity you ask me. Is there some particular truth you are looking for? Does it snow in New Orleans? Almost never. What about Santa? Santa Claus? You, you mean uh, is there or uh, isn't there one? My friend Toby says there's not. Of course there's a Santa Claus. It's just well it's just that no single somebody could do all that he has to do. So the task has been Spread among us all. That's why everybody is Santa Claus. I am. And you are. Your father is. Even this Toby of yours is. That's confusing. Yes. Life is confusing. <laughs> That's the nature of it. Life is confusing, but we muddle through. Now you just relax. you would be a child. But you still can be one. Come Come, stars, think of the quietest thing, like snow, snow, snow falling through the stars. You remember better? You remember what we talked about? Merry Christmas.
2: Oh, it sounds really good, actually. Yeah. That's, I never knew that Henry Winkler and Catherine Hepburn did anything That's together. I mean, that blows wow. my mind.
0: Wow,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> and he's—I mean—he's such an underrated actor that I'm not is, surprised. Yeah. You know, and he also did that Christmas American Christmas Carol, which is fantastic.
0: Could you and imagine streaming
2: on screen? It's, it's streaming on Shout Factory, by the way.
0: Oh, could you imagine if they had had Catherine Hepburn play the Fonzes' mom on an episode oh, of Happy Days? Could you that would have been that? brilliant. Oh my gosh. Oh my
2: gosh. Oh my god! I just had so many little orgasms right now. I can't even. Anything, but, <laughs> but and they're uh, Christmas ones, so they're the best. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're holiday themed. Yes. I love it. Yeah, that's really amazing. I had no idea. Ooh. Oh, that's one another one I'm adding to the list. But it's so it's it almost like um, short changes itself with that title, you know, yeah. because
3: I, th- I think that that's true across a lot of these Christmas. Yeah. Movies. Just in general, that's always true. They're almost always pulled from some sort of song lyric or some sort of uh, seasonal greeting. And they're they're far too common sounding. And they they are actually quite a few by the same title. So they get mixed up an awful lot and they're easy to overlook.
2: Yeah, that's too bad because that feels like it kind of slipped through the cracks
0: yeah. to me. And it's it, and it's funny how many things have there been that have uh, horror films like Silent Night Deadly Night Silent Night Bloody Night and there there's the the BJ and the Bear Silent Night Unholy Night I believe is, yeah is yeah and you know it's like they horror they they're a little they come up a little short but um, I I like the Truman Capote titles because they can be about anything when you hear the title and you really don't know what they're gonna be and Truman Capote was a wonderful writer so when you dive in. The, the, yeah, uh, I, think for the the short story,
2: I think for the short story it works, but I think when you're just going through a list of Christmas titles, it's not going to stand, of uh, films. Sure.
0: It's well, just I not thought gonna we stand had it. some pretty good ideas about uh, what I do. You
2: know, I, I, I have to go with Nathan because I think we were simpatico in terms of the animation we were picturing in our head.
0: Oh, gotcha.
2: You know what I mean? And so when he was describing it, I actually felt like it was like a really feasible film that I would like watch or, you know, holiday special. Because we just watched Frosty and Frosty Returns over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so it was like fresh in my head. And so I really and I love the idea, even though I came up with the ending. I, if I do say so myself, I love the idea that they realized that they didn't need the ding dong Christmas bell, and that they could, they could use pine needles for their Christmas ornaments.
3: I'm half expecting somebody to be listening that is a <laughs> TV writer, and they're going to take your ideas, and we're going to see these on the <laughs> year year years upcoming. Well, we have this on a podcast, dated. Yes. So yes. we'll be able
2: to get that NBC executive who's doing a coat of many colors and now the Christmas one Christmas and get our money. Wouldn't
0: that be if, the, if wouldn't that be funny if like next year there was uh this this week on Hallmark uh uh, uh five or three three uh one Christmas movies. The one Christmas umbrella. <laughs> I was like, What?
2: Well it'd be really funny if they were like for the first time ever – we're digitizing, We're digitizing Myrna Loy into a Christmas special, and it's <laughs> computer generated, like from like the last five movies she made, and they're just like <laughs> morphing it into like one film.
0: I will. I will say the more I described the the one Christmas four grandmas, the more I got excited about the idea. <laughs> the, so more good, I, yeah. the more, the more, the more I really liked the concept.
2: <laughs> so you vote for yourself is what you're saying, then.
0: Uh no, I'll vote for oh, Nate no, also. No. I would not vote for myself, but um
3: I liked your idea, it was really good. Plus
2: oh, Myrna Lloyd's that... in it. And if Myrna Loy's yes. in it, I'm gonna watch it. hmm Yeah. You know I
3: mean?
2: Joanna, do you have a preference?
3: Yeah, I think I like Nate's
2: too. Oh, let's do it. Let's let's start a Kickstarter.
0: hmm.
1: Can anybody animate?
2: <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> we forgot about that part. Oh boy. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> it's not my All forte. Right. Another dead dream. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Merry Christmas, Nate. For being logical.
3: <laughs> Alright, what's the what's the next one, Joanna? Christmas comes but once a year. God, okay, Nate. I think
1: that um this one is a Christmas version of a groundhog day where everything's going wrong on Christmas Day. Wow. Wait a minute. Is it has wait a minute, I think this movie's been made and maybe it's in my subconscious. But I'm picturing a Groundhog Day where everything's going wrong, and this kid is basically reliving Christmas Day until he can make everything right. Mm. Like his family are, are like dysfunctional and fighting, and you know I picture that by the end he has everybody together and happy once again.
2: Is is the dad Robert Urich?
1: Well, yeah. I mean,
2: okay.
1: I, I, he would have to be in one of these movies that I'm coming <laughs> up with. I mean, that he's kind of the staple for me.
3: Um, yeah. But I almost feel like this
1: is a movie, but
3: It it is. Know. Is it actually uh, uh Christmas versions of a groundhog or Groundhog Day have been done four times.
1: Oh my goodness. Then what at least one of those movies I've seen and it's in my subconscious.
3: <laughs> there is one from nineteen ninety six called Christmas Every Day, which features a teenage boy. He was a teenage heart I his name escapes me right now, but he's a Teenage heartthrob in the 90s, and, and it's pretty pretty close to exactly what you're describing. Is it like uh, Jer-
2: Jeremy Jackson? Jeremy Jordan?
3: No.
0: Jonathan Hunkington?
2: Oh, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's that, that a, what's really cute kid from um, Home Improvement?
0: Oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas.
2: Yeah, one of the Jonathans.
0: It, why did I know that so quickly?
2: I don't know, but I was like, you know what's so weird? I was just looking him up for some reason. I don't even know why, and um, I was like, God, he was such a cute kid.
0: I want to see this movie
1: now, because I, I do think I might have seen it way back when.
2: Well, TV movies love to repurpose ideas, so I think you're totally fine. Plus, you put Robert Urich in it, so that oh, okay. makes it completely unique.
1: Yes, it's it's obviously a very unique idea.
2: <laughs> it's good, though. I like the idea of it. And <laughs> I mean, it made me feel like when you said that, my heart sunk, because I was like, oh, my God, I can't do anything that clever. But um, oh, do you have anything more to add before I go, or – no,
1: just that I'm really excited that this might act, this actually sounds like a movie, and I think I <laughs> might have seen it. So I want to look it up. I hope I can find it somewhere.
3: Well, she can give you the
2: four titles.
3: The actor is Eric Von Detten.
2: Oh, I don't know who that is.
0: Huh. He's got a Von in the name, so that means he's hot.
2: Yeah, well, he's not a Van. If he was a Van Patton.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's a different that, generation of that hot. That
2: guarantees hotness. <sighs> Except <laughs> for unfair. Dick Van Patton. But, um,
0: <laughs> he had his charms
2: I guess what I thought of was sort of along the same lines in the terms of that it's it's from the perspective of a kid but it's about a street kid um, not really street kid but like he has a home but his home isn't great and um, but what he wants to do is he wants to have a really amazing Christmas like every year he wants like what he would consider the dream Christmas in like the urban area he lives in which is like very good timesy and, and So he becomes a shoplifter and only through the help of a very benevolent Santa Claus is he able to learn the error of his ways and have the Christmas he wanted without all the accoutrements and the materialism that he thought would make a good Christmas. That's my movie. And I'll go ahead and put the little kid from good times in it. Since I said good times, I can't remember the actor's name (laughs) because he's adorable. I guess we'll make Santa Claus Ed Asner. Oh. Because because Santa Claus should be terrifying. Mm. <laughs> he makes a good. <laughs> and why don't we make the why don't we make the mom Roxy Roker? Sure. Okay. Right. That's, that's my movie.
0: Uh, the problem I'm having is that my first idea was also kid related, and it's actually a really fun idea. But I'm going to try to do something not kid related. So it's Christmas comes once a year. That's the title. Okay. okay. Once a
3: year. Once a year.
0: Christmas comes once a year. Okay, so we start off. You you remember the the um, uh, we start from like a small town, sort of almost like a back lot kind of town, like the Midnight Hour. Yeah. Uh, the the um and you you know the uh, the cop in that uh I forget what he says in the beginning of the movie, like when some kids are goofing off, he says, oh this is my favorite time of year, or oh Halloween, or something like that. Well, the 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 cop in this movie is Doug McClure, <laughs> and he. For for some reason in this town, um, Christmas is uh, a little goofy. The people are a little more um, uh, they're very rambunctious in this town. The old folks go out and they 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 love to party, and the kids are going around making a lot of noise because they love Santa and stuff like that. And he's like, oh gosh, you know, it's like. This and I gotta apologize. Another of my dogs is scraping the ground. How <laughs> many dogs don't you know have, what Dan? The, it's George and Crumpet, and they're looking at me like we're not doing anything, but they are doing things, and I apologize. So this is a town where you imagine the rambunctiousness people get up into during during Halloween. They do this in Christmas during this town. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's something in the water. That could be the sequel. But what happens is the um, Jason Robards. Ooh. He Doug is
4: McClure.
0: The, D- D- Doug McClure is the sheriff. Jason Robards is the guy who he's the the um, he's the guy who goes into the woods and he cuts down the big tree to put in the town square. So we intercut, the opening sequences are intercut with Doug McClure kind of like rolling his eyes a lot as like like grandmas dressed as Santa are on motorcycles driving around and the little kids are screaming and yelling and throwing, I don't know, eggnog at each other. I don't know, um, but it's craziness. And you cut, intercut with Jason Robards, uh he finds the perfect tree, almost too perfect, in the middle of this. It's a huge tree, like... 20 foot high, something like that. How does Jason Robards get it back to town? No, that's not a question you ask here. But he cuts (laughs) down the tree. He cuts down the tree and he brings it to town and they put it in the middle of town. And um, in the first half hour or so, you meet all these different characters, all these wacky um, uh, sort of caricature type characters of, of people in the town. Possibly kind of like people you might meet in a horror movie. And then one night, one of them is killed. And Doug McClure has to investigate. And they can't figure out who would have done this. Who would have killed someone so close to Christmas? The next night, someone is killed. And the next night, two people are killed. And Christmas is drawing close, and more and more blood is being drawn. And suddenly, Doug McClure and Jason Robards realize that the tree that Jason Robards cut down wasn't just a tree. It brought something into the town. Something that should have stayed in the forest. Something that kills. And at the end of the movie, when they destroy the tree and whatever it is, they say the title of the movie. oh what is the title of the movie again? I Guess forgot. Christmas comes
2: but once a year.
0: Oh, and he's like, oh, thank God this is over, and I'm so glad Christmas comes but once a year. Ah! <laughs> Freeze frame.
2: So good.
0: That's
2: There's cool. no competition. I don't even care what the original, what the real film is at this point. That's, that's like amazing.
3: That is. That does sound good. It sounds fantastic.
2: It's got murder. It's got tree cutting. It's got possessed spirits. It's got Christmas. It's got a Scooby-Doo ending.
0: And and Catherine Ross is Doug McClure's wife. Of course. I forgot to mention that. And Joan Hackett is also in it. (gasps) And Joyce Van Patten is um, sort of the librarian who who looks very straight-laced, but when the library closes... She gets sexy.
2: Joyce is into it. Wasn't yes. Joyce Van Patten? Joyce Van Patten was married to Dennis Dugan for years. Yes. And, I didn't, and oh, she was yeah. much older than him. And I didn't know that till recently because I was yes. looking her up. Yes. And um, I was really impressed with that. So and I Dennis see.
0: Dugan is in one of my favorite short-lived TV shows, Shadow Chasers. Yes.
2: I love Dennis Dugan. I know him from the Rockford Files. But anyway, oh, yes. um, uh, Joanna, what, what is the movie actually about? <laughs>
3: It's actually a nineteen thirty-six animated short film by the Fleischer Studios. <laughs> and it um features a character named Grampy who was actually who was actually introduced in a Betty Boop cartoon earlier in the thirties. And Grampy is actually an inventor. Uh you guys were kind of right to uh go with a, a child theme here because actually the setting is an orphanage. And it's a broken down, impoverished orphanage. And uh, a group of orphans wake up on Christmas morning to find that they've got a bald, broken down Christmas tree and broken cheap toys. And their cries and whines actually are heard by uh, the inventor, Grampy, as he happens to be driving by. And since he's an inventor, he goes into the orphanage and pulls together all the things that he finds inside the orphanage to build them and improve their Christmases, which makes them very happy. And he uh, puts together umbrellas and creates a nice uh, green Christmas tree. And again, he just uses supplies and the things he finds in the orphanage to pull together uh, and improve their, their Christmas. Christmas gone but what's a year? Now it's here, now it's here, bringing lots of joy
2: here.
4: There is a Santa Claus, Christmas comes but once a year, now it's here, now it's here, bringing lots of joy and cheer, da da, 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 da.
3: Oh! What's the matter in here, I wonder? It's actually, uh, um, since it's originally made, 1936, it was made for a theatrical release. Uh, mm. This thing is actually common commonly found now you'll find it uh, airing on cartoon network you'll find it used as interstitial on any kind of network between movies or something but a lot of people recognize it because it appeared in peewee's playhouse christmas special oh, uh, introduced introduced by the king of cartoons
0: i i know that cartoon i, I love that i love that one that's a great yeah. great cartoon yeah
3: it doesn't have a tree possessed tree
0: though it doesn't we don't know what possesses the tree in my mind, it's either a, a, a supernatural force, a monster that actually lifts itself out of the bark and the branches and, like, becomes like a giant walking tree thing, or it's maybe just some jerk who lived in the tree. I don't know how we could do that. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I, I you know, I'm just making this up as I go along.
2: I feel like, I feel like you could apply some eco-film theory into that.
0: You probably could. You, you know, like could. the
2: prophecy, that Frankenheimer thing, you oh, could yes, sort of yeah. double them and then make a comment about the environment with it.
0: <laughs> yep. Robert yeah. Foxworth with his yep uh, uh, a,
3: lesson. a lesson we all learn too late.
0: And yeah, it would be that the two taglines, Christmas only comes but once a year, and then a lesson we learn too late.
3: Oh, so <laughs> but you'd have
0: to say those in the right order. Because then it would sound like the lesson we learned too late was that Christmas comes but once a year. Yeah, well, so you'd have to make sure. You'd have
2: to make, yeah. sure. to make sure that the announcer uh, says it correctly.
0: I forget how much I like Doug McClure. I might make him the star of the rest of the movies. <laughs>
2: yeah, I really like Doug McClure, too. Um, I guess we'll move on to the next one. I just want to make sure we get at least five of these in so Nate can be with us for them. So we're on four now, right? Four, I think, yeah. Okay, what's the next I
3: one, you I think Joanna? this is number five. Oh, is it? Oh, no,
2: it's number four. I'm sorry. Christmas Snow. Okay, I guess it's my turn. So these titles are so close to other titles, so it makes me think of A Christmas Without Snow. And so I'm picturing Michael Learned, and even though I've not seen the film and I'm not super familiar with it, it's like I can't get that out of my head. But so, okay, so I'm going to go with the environmental theme since we were talking about eco film theory. And what we're going to say is that this is a planet that no longer has snow. And so it's a sci-fi futuristic Christmas tale. Uh, Ray Bradbury wrote it. It's adapted from a Ray Bradbury story. And, or I guess we'll say it's adapted from a Cray Snadberry story. The earth is ravaged by, I don't know, climate control warning and problems and, but they hear that there is one mountain somewhere left in the world that actually still produces snow. So a ragtag motley group of explorers men and women ranging in age um we'll set this in the 80s we'll put robert york in it because like nate said he should be in everything and um we'll put aaron gray in it aaron gray will be one of the leaders and robert york will be the other leader and they'll say there's like a group of six or seven of them and they have to find the last mount, snow-capped mountain in the world and bring back some snow to this town that is, well, I guess the world needs it, but this one particular town is desperate for some snow. Um, They're thinking, so actually here in Texas, because it never snows where I live, there's a really rich part of Texas that's near us, and they actually import snow. And then you can, like, make snowmen with it, and they leave it out till it melts. And it's in this really expensive mall. So we'll say, like, this really, really rich town is it has sent these explorers out. So even though they don't have noble intentions, what happens at the end is very noble because they learn the true meaning of Christmas, which is that they
0: all pair off and have sex.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Because there's, there's got to be romance in there. You can't put Seven, Robert S-
0: Urick. 73% of Amanda's ideas end with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You can't put Robert Yurk and Aaron Gray in this... I know I'm losing listeners. They're like, oh my god, she needs to stop. Um They're you can't put Robert Robert, New and Aaron Gray in a movie together and not expect them to not make out like that would be cheating the viewers. So you might as well just have like three, let's say six people go and then we'll do three romance stories and you know what, we'll make it quirky. So like, we'll make it like, um, like a love boat sort of situation. I'm trying to think of those Mm -hmm. movies. Like if you're familiar with them, pleasure cove or, uh, Valentine magic on love Island, which are like rip offs of love boat and fantasy Island. And they're like lighthearted romps where, you know, couples end up together, but it's not always the couples you think are going to end up together. So we'll throw that in there. So we'll make it a sci fi comedy that is, that is a metaphor for the environment, starring Robert Urich and Aaron Gray. And I'm done because I think I just ruined that movie, but that would be my fault. <laughs> uh,
0: um, I, I had an original idea which was much, possibly more entertaining than the idea I'm going to say. Eve Plum is uh plays um uh let me get a name um marie and eve plum plays uh the, a young woman named marie who comes to new york city from wisconsin and she spent all her life living uh at christmas time it's christmas snow and she gets to wisconsin uh, she gets to new york city and she's trying to make. She's trying to make good. She gets a job at a bookstore. Everything is going great. Everything is going great. Then, as the holiday season comes on, uh, she she loses her job and she ends up meeting um, a, a strange gentleman played by Mark Blankfield,
4: sure
0: from Jekyll and Hyde Together mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. And suddenly, she is involved in the not only the uh, uh, import and export of it, but the snorting and enjoyment of. In quotes, Christmas snow.
2: Oh, so good.
0: <laughs> and so, so she's in there, and she, and what ends up happening is she becomes, she doesn't. I know what you're thinking. Oh, she's she'll become a prostitute, right? No, no, not it. No, no, knock it off. She, she just becomes, she becomes addicted to the Christmas snow, and she falls in with this strange crowd, which might um, contain. A, is it Jack Elam, the guy with the crazy wonky eye, the yeah, yeah, big that's guy? Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so, like, he's in there and a bunch of other weird people. Maybe they pull in some people from, like, Andy Warhol's factory kind of thing. They're just, like, like the people, um, she she ends up hanging out with a lot of the people who attack the, the uh, at the end of Silent Night, Bloody Night, the, the insane asylum people who attack the people who run the insane asylum. She ends up suddenly in this weird crowd like this, and she doesn't know what's going on. And then suddenly one day she sees a man with a very distinctive mustache kill somebody. And the next day, there's this big thing in the paper. It's like, oh my God, it's like the Christmas murder of this guy or something like that. And she's seen what's happening. And then we cut to somewhere else where a man very sort of, um, uh, uh, what is his name, Blofeld from the James Bond movies, he's like stroking a cat's head, and he tells (laughs) Woody, Woody Strode, who may not have been in a lot of TV movies, and Henry Silva to go find Eve Plum and kill her before she can tell anyone what she saw. And Eve Plum, she's trying to get off the Christmas snow. She's trying to get to the police. And what ends up happening is... She sort of, uh, the the first time they attack her, she's able to get out onto the street, and she almost runs into a car, and the car is is being driven by a social worker played by Belinda Montgomery, and Belinda Montgomery comes out of the car and says, uh, is that the right name? Is that the woman from Man from Atlantis and Silent uh-huh. Madness, yeah, or is yeah. it Elizabeth? Oh, is that right? Okay. That's Belinda Montgomery. I, okay. Um, and I, suddenly, I, I blanked on her name there, and... um. And she takes her in, and basically the, the rest of the movie is Eve Plum's character convincing uh, Montgomery's character that these two guys are after me. These two relentless hitmen are after me. And they have to try to get to somewhere safe where they can tell the police what's going on. And it's all sort of based in this. So w- whenever you see, they, they keep winding up with people who are doing some Christmas snow, but it's also snowing all the time. And so you get this thing, which might be a metaphor, or might just be poor planning on the filmmaker's part. You can't really tell throughout, but it's, it's very exciting. And it all builds up to a climax in a junkyard, covered with snow, like this this epic... All these, all these cars, cr- smashed cars, like you know, street trash has that great junkyard. All these mm-hmm. epic cars, covered in snow, and 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 Montgomery and Plum like running over the cars as 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 Henry Silva and Woody Stewart are shooting at them. And maybe there's one of those big. Um, uh, crane things with like the magnet that picks up cars and it's picking up cars out of the snow around them, revealing where they're hidden and stuff like that. It's really exciting. And it was a, it was a great movie. I don't know what year it was made. 1978? Let's Sounds right. That. Sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So that's Christmas Snow.
2: <laughs> Nate?
1: Christmas Snow is a horror movie. Um, and it's a very, very small town. A very small town where over a hundred years ago, they burned a witch at the stake, and right when they started to burn her, it started to snow, so she cursed the town. But the next time it snowed, they would pay for their crimes. So a hundred years later, it started to snow, and um, you have this small town. Andy Griffith is the mayor. Um, he's kind of the corrupt mayor, so he's kind of the corrupt cop character. Uh, but he has a very good, um, you know, like secretary played by Stephanie Powers. <gasps> um, and you also have like other people like around the town. Like you have uh, two roommates, uh, Joyce Dewitt and Cindy Williams.
2: <laughs> you love to put Joyce Dewitt in the movies.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and the snow falls overnight. And when they wake wait, wait, did the you say Joyce Dewitt
2: and Cindy Williams?
1: Yeah, they're roommates. Oh my god. Okay. Um. And the snow falls overnight, and when they all wake up the next day, they find out that the snow itself is alive. Sort of like in that movie Blood Beach, where the sand is like devouring the people on the beach. The snow is doing that to anybody that touches it. So the whole, all the people in the town have their own little storylines going on, and they all have to avoid this killer snow. That's cursed because of the witch.
2: Oh, nice. God. So, nice. So Joanna, energy- was- G... Yeah, do you see what Nate does? He throws in those – first of all, it's a great idea, but like he throws in like Joyce DeWitt and Cindy Williams as roommates.
5: <laughs>
2: the one he was, did with the – he did one last time with the killer crocodile, and it was Joyce DeWitt, Joan Collins, and, oh, Bob, Bob Denver. Denver. It yes. was so amazing. It was so amazing. <laughs> My, and Joyce DeWitt got eaten by an it's alligator. fantastic,
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, My My, my failings are that I suddenly forget who I'm talking about, (laughs) which actor or actress. Yours has
2: a lot of good action in it, but honestly, when you were talking about it, I was picturing Ricardo Montalban. And so I was waiting. I was like, "Is he gonna? Is he gonna say Ricardo Montalban's one of the characters?" So I was actually, I was, vi- I was very visual in my head. Your description, Well, really- we could
0: – Who would who would you, you want uh, as the as the mob boss? Or well, the, the I originally who-
2: saw him as like the good guy. So so I was surprised oh, when okay. it ended up being Belinda Montgomery. But it should. I like it being a woman. I mean, it you know I think I,
0: that's I, fair. I- I thought it should be a woman too cuz she's just out she's just out doing her job and she stumbles she stumbles across a woman she thinks is a teenage prostitute but it's just a woman who happens to do the occasional drug who works at a bookstore you know so it so it's like you're a teenage prostitute aren't you no no I'm not I work at a bookstore you can tell me <laughs> you're a teenage <laughs> prostitute no I'm not seriously I just work <laughs> at the bookstore I,
3: I, I
0: just saw someone get killed <sighs> we'll talk later and I I that's that's the way I see her
2: that's so awesome but for some reason i was just picturing it was like really early 70s in my head so you were really close mm. with the year and just ricardo Montalban. but i think it's because something in the description reminded me of a movie i think it's called the face of fear with elizabeth ashley and she's dying of cancer and she hires a hitman to kill her because she's worried it's going to be super oh, wow. painful and then the doctor calls and he's like oh i'm wrong you're like the healthiest person i've ever had in my office <laughs> and, but she'd already called out the hit, so then Ricardo Montalban is like this I think he's like this part time cop private eye guy. And he ends up like she hires him to help her find the hitman before he can kill her. We uh
0: have your clinical records complete. Oh, may I? Miss sure. Gilman,
4: uh, do you recall what your position in Woodfield Idaho told you? No.
5: That I have leukemia.
3: Yes, I know. I mean, uh, the basis of his diagnosis. Oh,
5: uh, uh, yes, his his test. Uh, Anemia, bone marrow test, swollen lymph nodes, and it was his friend of his at the hospital. Excuse me. Let me set your mind at ease once and for all. You do not have leukemia.
0: Doesn't he he play Sergeant Frank Ortega?
3: (laughs) I don't know, he might um but he has uh, to live a lawsuit that she's gonna uh bring about for against this doctor yeah she does because i mean i've i've seen the
2: movie but only kind of in passing like i've played it i have a copy of it but i haven't really sat down to watch it but um it's like it's so funny because it's just like oh my god i'm gonna die i'm gonna have myself killed and then like two minutes after she orders the hit he's like hey you're like really healthy
0: that, that's like that's like there there was, a what back in like 42, 43, uh, there was a radio show called The Whistler, and they made seven or eight movies based off of it. And the very first one is the guy who has nothing to live for who hires the hitman and then immediately wants to rescind the deal yeah. but can't. And yeah. Graham Chapman from Monty Python made a movie in the mid-'70s called The Odd Job where he does the same thing. Yeah, it's not, hi-
2: it's not like the world's most unique idea, but Ricardo Montalban plays the good guy in it. S-
0: Sergeant Ortega.
2: Is that? Did you look it up?
0: I looked it up. Okay, yeah, I'm I don't sorry. remember. I'm sorry. I grab, I grabbed Merrill off the the bookcase.
2: I didn't, I didn't remember the characters' names, but um, but I do remember. Like he's so good, you know. So mm. that's the draw for me. So when you were picturing it, somehow I was picturing that, even though they're not he, at all he, similar.
0: He can be added because I just made that up. So yeah, there's he can be no added problem. To yeah, yeah, perfect.
2: But I have to give this one to Nate because. Yeah. The snow eats people, and yeah. also Cindy Williams and Joyce Dewitt like share clothes. But don't mm-hmm.
1: forget the ending too, where the only way they can flee to safety is luckily for them they had they had a career in the circus, so they both know how to walk on stilts. <laughs> so they have mm-hmm. to walk on stilts through the snow to safety, carrying torches.
2: <laughs> I like how you're like, don't forget the ending. Like we all saw it. Yeah,
1: and I'm, I'm giving you a little
2: review a recap. <laughs> that's what's good about it I would love to see that movie on you don't even know and we could kind of still make it happen because I think Cindy Williams and Joyce DeWitt can be hired for TV movies yes yes that's another kickstarter and we don't need to know how to animate
3: I thought the Spotify channel would love that
2: <laughs> I think they would actually that'd be really fun yeah so uh oh well we haven't heard the, what the actual movie is though before we start giving out
3: well, compared compared to your imaginations, this is like almost disappointing, but uh, <laughs> this is an 80s uh, TV movie, 1986, starring Catherine Hellman, C- Caesar, and a very young Melissa Joan Hart. Oh. Catherine Hellman plays uh, a very happy-go-lucky, optimistic widow that uh, her two children, Amy and Wally, call Ma, and together the little family runs a candy store. And it's Christmas time, and they're busy making Christmas candy. And their cantankerous landlord tells them that he's going to shut down and end their lease in the building that they're in. He's going to turn their uh, candy shop into a laundromat, so they have to uh, end their business after Christmas. And Ma is very sad and disappointed, but she's going to make the me- the best business she can during the holiday season. This isn't something that she can control. She's just going to make the best of it. But the two little children, Amy and Wally, and Amy is Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, Amy and Wally are very upset and very worried for Ma and their future, but uh, Ma is optimistic, and she's uh, convinced that they'll land on their feet. She's not worried about it. During the holidays, uh, the landlord, Mr. Snyder, suddenly disappears, and the two little kids are like, good. You know, he, our troubles are gone if our landlord disappears. But, uh, Ma's a good woman and she worries about where the old man went. And she, although she has to keep her business open to make as much money as possible at like Christmas time, she actually closes the candy store to go looking for Mr. Snyder because she's worried about him. And, uh, lucky for him, it's Christmas morning and there was a snow the previous night. And so uh, Ma's able to follow his footsteps left in the snow and they take him, they take her and the children on a journey into a cemetery and they actually find Mr. Snyder, who is uh, again, Sid Caesar. He's actually fallen in an empty open grave. And (laughs) yes, he is in, he's in a hole in the ground that he can't get out of. And he has spent the last 24 hours there worried that nobody would ever find him. And uh, he's so grateful that they came looking for him that he promises uh, they'll have a good new year and and their futures will be different. But it's a story about optimism and it's a story about um, confidence and and looking out for each other and, and not making enemies. It's actually a nice story. Mr. Snyder.
5: Carney? Oh, oh. Just look at you. <laughs> Curdy, it's you. Mr. Snyder, how ever did you get yourself in such a fix? I don't know I've I
4: was walking along the top of the cover the grave. I didn't see it. Because the snow was covering the top. I just fell
5: through. I don't know. I, I I hollered and screamed all night and shouted, everything, but nobody heard, nobody came. God, it's been the most
4: scary
1: time of my whole life. I didn't expect anybody to miss me, except maybe you. Why should you? You didn't have to. I've never been so scared. Even the time when I was war wounded. Please, get me out, help me out, please.
2: I can't imagine Sid Caesar not being able to get himself out of something, because he was like, even when he was older, he was looked like a sturdy guy. <laughs> You know what I mean? So like I picture him falling in a cemetery, just like in a grave, and just getting back up.
0: He's very yeah. tall.
2: He is tall, and he seemed like he was in really good shape. Like I just watched him on a love boat a couple months ago, maybe, and I was thinking, God, he aged so well. Like he looked really healthy to me.
0: He's in Airport 75. Shares most scenes with Myrna Loy.
2: Oh, see, Wrap around, tie-in,
0: crossover, well, and that was <laughs> meant to be it. That was meant to be a TV movie, but it was bumped to theatrical at the last well, minute. There you go. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm still giving it to Nate. Although I love the idea of like, cause I'm picturing them going to the cemetery and he's at his wife's grave and then they're so compassionate, you know, that he realizes like he turned cold cause his wife had died and like it was the only person he ever loved. And then he realized that there were good people in the world. That's where I was picturing the story going. So, so when he fell in the grave, I was like, I didn't know how to take it. That was a twist. I wasn't expecting.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I like it. But, but, of course, Nate has people, has, you know, Cindy Williams walking on stilts.
3: Yeah, it doesn't beat snow that attacks you. Yeah. It's snow that attacks you. Sci-fi
2: channel. Sunday night, world premiere. Totally watching it. Um, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm there. I'm there.
2: Okay, so what's let's, let's do one more.
0: One more.
3: Okay, you guys ready? One more? Yep. Yes, yes. The First Christmas. Oh, The First Christmas. Okay, I think wow. you're, ne- you're first.
0: It's, it's my turn.
2: Yeah, Dan. I'm um, just saying your name because I know she'll say your name every so often so people know. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Okay, so it, it begins maybe, say, 11 o'clock. Now, I grew up Polish, and the Polish Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve was at 10 o'clock. And Polish Midnight Mass was done by 11, so you could get home in time for Santa. And so I'm imagining a kid, uh, pff, uh 11, 12, something like that. He's played by Mino Pellucci Palucci from Voyagers. <laughs> yeah. And yes. uh, uh, yeah, you you know, you know him when you see seen Voyagers, he's in Don't Go near the park, the wonderfully strange. Um he's in Amityville Horror. He's
2: in that Ronnie James Dio video. Is he? Yeah, I can't think of the name of the song, but he's in a Ronnie James Dio video. Okay.
0: Um and he he is a kid and who um he has. When we see them arriving home from the the church, he has very boring parents, and his dad is Lee Majors, and his mom is Linda Carter, and they're really boring. <laughs> Wait, they're Lee Majors, really Lee Majors, and Linda Carter Wait. had Palouse? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, I'm gonna let you back up a little so I can tell the story okay. that's gonna happen right here. This is all gonna work out. Okay. I think it's gonna work out. My mind is ninety percent there. Okay. So so and they're really boring parents and he's like oh every Christmas is the same kind of thing and it's just like we get home at like eleven fifteen and go to bed and I go to bed and I fall asleep and I wake up at seven in the morning and the gifts are there and that kind of thing. So boring. And so, he, yeah, and he goes into bed, and he he falls asleep, and then he wakes up at maybe two two in the morning, because he thought he heard something, and he's like, well, it's two in the morning, so Santa's already been here, and he looks out his window, and the snow is coming down, and he's um, and he's like, oh, this is so lovely, and he looks out, and there they're kind of their house is sort of in the middle of nowhere, and there are some, and he looks out, and he sees some footsteps, uh, well, he doesn't see foot, he sees footprints in the snow walking by his house he's like huh that's weird and so he goes hmm okay and he wants to sneak out and have a quick look at the tree just to see if santa showed up so he goes to the door and as he's about to open the door all of a sudden he hears a noise i i won't quite get it right but it's sort of like a da kind of noise kind of like um kind of like um his dad is in the family room moving around in slow motion Throwing things around with a giant, with a like a bionic arm, and he he's listening out the door, and and he hears noises, and he hears people, and and there's craziness going on, and then he he's sitting in his room, and he's trying to figure out what's happening, and then all of a sudden, like a, a huge light, like from a helicopter, shines over his house, and he's trying to figure out what's happening, and and the helicopter flies away, and he doesn't know what's going on, and his dad leans in and says, "How you doing, son? Are you doing okay?" Yeah, Dad, I'm doing all right. And he go back to sleep. And can, I wanted to see if Santa was here. Don't worry, Santa's been here. And he goes back into bed, and he climbs back into his bed. And he's back in his bed, and all of a sudden, a UFO lands in his backyard. And a series of strange females get out of the UFO and swarm his house. And all of a sudden, a woman who looks a lot like his mother begins to fight these strange female robots in the in the yard. And she's got these strange bracelets on and she's and she's she's you know Keeping the uh, keeping the robots at bay, and there's off to one side there's this like strange like roaring noise. Like he doesn't know like some sort of monster has come out of the woods because they live near the Pacific Northwest. Did I forget to mention that? And there's this huge monster that comes out of the woods, and he keeps hearing this sort of strange noise, and it's all in slow motion uh, around where his dad is, and there's all this craziness going on, and he's just like, what is happening? The base, The movie is, is that, all night long. He's in his room. <laughs> he's in his room, and there's all the UFOs show up, gangsters show up, uh, uh, communists show up. all Communists? Communists, everybody <laughs> shows up. This is, a, this is the late 70s. Everybody shows up. And he's like, I've never experienced bef- this before. And he walks out at, when, when the sun is up, uh, coming up. He walks out in there, and there's this tree, and there's all the presents, it is beautiful. And his parents walk in, and they're kind of bruised, and they're kind of beaten up. And and he realizes that this is the first Christmas where he found out that his parents are the Six Million Dollar Man and Wonder Woman.
2: <laughs>
0: and it's pretty astounding. That's a and that's a
2: diary entry if I ever heard of one.
0: That's And so maybe it's a shorter movie. I don't know if you could do it. Uh, well, when I, the I don't communists if, be, show because,
2: up, they, they have to read their manifesto, so that's going to take some time.
0: <laughs> because to me, the whole thing is almost entirely set inside his bedroom. And he keeps, like, he leans out into the hallway, and he sees, like, and as he leans out in the hallway, you hear, like, Da 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 and you see, like, two gangsters fly through the hallway and go through a door. And he closes his door, like, what just happened? And, you know, it's like we all know what's going on, but he's suddenly learning that he is the offspring of superheroes. And maybe at the end, possibly, he's so excited about something that he gets, he jumps into the air and goes through the roof of the house and goes, like, 30 feet in the air and winds up on, like, a, a huge tree or something like that. I don't know. The Bionic Boy? I don't know. <laughs> so that so that's mine. It's sort of a it's a fun late seventies superhero y kind of thing. That
2: put me it's in the, the spirit. First... Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Nate.
2: Um
1: honestly, I, um what I feel like this might be it almost sounds like it's like a biblical film about the first Mm -hmm. Christmas yeah um so I mean that's the to be honest with you that's the very first thing that popped in my mind and I can't get that out of my mind so I almost feel like that's what this one's actually about and I may be way off base but that is the first thing that popped into my head but I was wondering what made for tv stars could play the cast
2: yeah I was just thinking that when you said that I was like a Sam Elliott could play Jesus yeah no
3: No, you play God. Uh,
1: yeah, I like that idea actually.
3: With that mustache, yeah.
1: But who would play Victoria Mary? Victoria Principal is.
3: Well, she's so virginal.
2: Uh,
1: yes, I mean absolutely.
2: Oh my god! Okay, um, who's left? Right, the uh, her husband, right? Yeah. You can tell how religious I am. It's Joseph, right?
1: Joseph. Yeah, because yeah. I was about to say I don't remember what his name was.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always want to say John Carpenter. <laughs> Oh. Okay. Oh, he's a carpenter, right? So I, always, I get that in my head. Um, I don't know. You don't want to make it Patrick Duffy because that's too obvious, but I don't know. Joanna, do you have any ideas who could play Joseph? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm having a tough time. Dennis
1: Weaver.
3: <laughs> yeah. Dennis Weaver, Victoria Principal.
0: <laughs> huh. <laughs> <laughs> Can, the Duff? What?
3: Mm-hmm. Ron Falito. No, from Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh. Ross Lillow and,
0: and
2: Victoria Principal are match made in heaven. And he did get Marcia Brady in Skate Town, USA, so I can foresee this happening. Mm. Or why not just put Patrick Swayze in it? <clears throat> Swayze. Yeah. I would see it if, if Victoria Principal plays Mary, I'm watching. I'm gonna, <laughs> somehow it's going to turn into like a thriller. You know that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Most of my ideas do.
2: <laughs> the stalking of Mary.
0: <laughs> she she's gonna wind up like on a mule that runs into a camel and they explode into flames and then she vanishes. That
2: sounds really good. Do you, do you have any more to add to that, Nate? No,
0: no. That's, all <laughs> that's enough.
2: I'm stealing my idea from the movie Detour to Terror, and then I'm gonna add a Christmas theme to it. So Detour to Terror. Is, I don't know if anybody here has seen it, but it's I think Lorenzo Llamas is in it No, O.J. Simpson's in it. I think O.J. Simpson produced it. And it's about a group of people going on a bus to Vegas. And the bus gets taken over by like these bad guys. I think they're being robbed. They think that there's some kind of really expensive jewelry on the bus. And so they end up holding everybody hostage. And they're, like, they got, like, dune buggies and motorcycles, and they basically terrorize the people on the bus. So I want to take that idea, and I want to move it into, like, a snow set setting. So, like, let's say they're traveling from, like, Pittsburgh to New York to go to, like, uh what is that called? Oh, my God. You know, the – um it's not funny if I can't think of the name of it. The Rockettes perform there. Radio City Music Hall. Yes.
3: They do Christmas
2: stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the bus is going from, like, Pittsburgh to New York. And it gets taken over by hostages because they found out that there's some Myrn on the bus. And so they have to kidnap, not gold, right? And um and they and they kidnap the bus, but there's a pregnant woman on the bus. Now, the bus driver is not going to be O.J. Simpson in this. The hero of the movie is going to be Peter Scolari.
0: Because, of course. Because yeah. he should be
2: the hero of every
0: movie. Mistlet- mistletoe.
2: Mistletoe over the poster. He's so dreamy. <laughs> So he, I think he'd be a good hero because he's kind of a small guy. And but I and he, and he, I like him sort of in dramatic parts. So I think he'd be really interesting. Um, I don't know who the pregnant woman would be. I kind of like the idea of Victoria Principal now that she's on my mind. So she'll just so – they'll <laughs> air on the same night head-to-head, like, against each other. And the bus will just have a whole bunch of, like, supporting actors. Like, um, who are good 70s supporting actors? I guess we can put – well, I, I want it to be in the 80s. So, like, oh, who oh. would be good? Like, uh – like Burke Convey it's basically like every guy I've ever had a crush on, because I can't think of anybody else that are like have these side parts in um, these movies, Lloyd Nolan, maybe and so they, she's having the baby on the bus, and at the same time they're being terrorized and they're not letting anybody help her have the baby, and they're also trying to escape and you know get the uh, turn the guys over to justice so but inevitably this ends up becoming the first Christmas for the baby oh. You see what I'm Aww. saying? Christmas. Yeah. Nice, and then nice. that's the happy ending that everybody
0: has. May I? May I add an addendum to mine? Sure. I realized what the point of mine was only <laughs> when I got to the ending. What was that? The, well, the point the point of it is that it's this kid who they're coming back from church, and all he cares about is Santa. He's like Santa's going to bring me gifts. Santa's going to bring this, that, and the other thing. And his parents are Lee Majors and and Linda Carter. And the, the point of it is that for the first sort of half-third or so, he's like, Santa's, Santa's the one. Santa's going to do it. Santa's going to do it. And then throughout the movie, he discovers that his parents, they don't have to be the $6 million man and Wonder Woman, although I like that concept. But he discovers that his parents are heroes. And his parents save the day. And Santa is awesome, but he should maybe pay a little more attention to how cool his parents are. And I realized that when I got to the end, but I didn't want to go back. So
2: I like that tagline. Santa is awesome, but he should realize how cool his parents are. <laughs> that could
0: be a great. That would be great tag. First Christmas, ABC. First.
2: <laughs> Those are all pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna go with Dan on this one because it's got UFOs mm-hmm. and like fembots. I'm guessing. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh yes. And, oh yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to say it, but and, that's what And Bigfoot.
2: And yes. all the all the tropes and all the things that I love about uh, Bionic Woman and Six Million Dollar Man, plus Linda Carter's in it. I can't believe that they had Meet for for Kid though, because Linda Carter sort of looks like she could be the mom, but I can't imagine that that would be the kid that they'd have.
0: Eh, let it ride. I will. Let I mean, it was
2: TV, you know. I'm I'm willing to yeah. do that.
0: But my, my favorite thing about it is that it's all it's almost all set in his bedroom. So all this chaos is happening, but you just see it. I love the concept of you just see, like, when, when the communists attack, he looks out his window and, like, a fighter jet shoots over the top of his house. And then it turns around and flies back at his house, firing missiles at his house. And you're like, what? And his parents somehow stop it. That's, that's the concept I love you're
2: about it. You're so him. amazing.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. It's
2: good. So, thank Joanna, you. what
0: is First Christmas about?
3: Actually, um, first Christmas I picked this one because the title is uh, sort of misleading, and and what the actual um, this is an animated special. It it doesn't really refer to the uh, nativity story or the first original Christmas um, that many of us expect out of a Christmas story. But actually, once I describe this, I bet a bunch. I bet you guys are going to know what this is. This is a Rankin Bass and a special from 1975. And uh, sometimes when it's listed on TV, it still airs all the time. Sometimes it's listed as the first Christmas, the title I gave you. Sometimes it's referred to by its subtitle, the story of the first Christmas snow. And sometimes it's given even a third or a fourth title. And that's part of why uh, this is a little confusing. But uh, you may remember that it includes uh, voices by Angela Lansbury and Cyril Richard.
2: Oh but, yeah, he was in um the Red Red Riding Hood, right? The dangerous yes. of Red Riding Hood Yeah.
3: Yeah. And here he provides uh, a voice for this Anna Magic special. Actually it it takes place in an abbey with nuns and uh, and priests. A group of nuns are uh, anticipating Christmas, they're making Christmas cards. When they look out their window and they see a shepherd struck by lightning, uh this young shepherd <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> this young shepherd, his name is Lucas, who who looks an awful lot like um Mino you know, Pelous uh, um they go out and help him, and he's it, he's struck blind and uh, he's now worried that if he's not uh, able to take care of his sheep, he won't be able to continue to be a shepherd. he'll be sent to an orphanage, but the father and the nuns uh try to help him and let him stay at the abbey while he recuperates. And since it's Christmas time, the nuns are staging uh, a Christmas pageant and he gets to participate in the Christmas pageant while he's staying at the Abbey. There are other children who are involved in the Christmas pageant. There's three bad boys that are there, prankish bad boys. They actually uh, go into the barn and let this little shepherd's sheep out into the, uh, you know, out of the pen and the once the little boy hears about this, well he's blind, he can't exactly follow the sheep very well, but he's worried that the wolves are going to get the sheep and um, while the little blind boy is out looking for his sheep, hoping the wolves don't get him and the sheep uh, it begins to snow <laughs> and it, it cures his blindness <laughs> of course, of course of, of course, yeah
0: oh dear me, dear me what have we here? And in my bed, at that... Sister Teresa?
5: Yes, Father, I'm right here.
0: Oh, uh, oh dear, yes, indeed. Well, um, would you be so kind to explain him to me?
5: Oh, Father, something dreadful has happened. Uh, th- this poor shepherd boy was struck by lightning and then the wolves. Um, and uh, and then we brought him here, and the lambs and the ducks are so nice. And, oh, I mean, um...
3: Sister Jean... Perhaps you'd better do the explaining, since Sister Catherine seems to be somewhat confused
0: at the moment.
2: This might be one where the original story beat our stories only because, well, first of all, I can, once you say Rankin and Bass, I could like totally imagine it. But I'm not sure I've seen this as an adult. I don't have a recollection of ever watching this.
3: Yeah, It's It's still around.
0: I actually just jumped up right now to get my copy of a book called "Tis the Season TV" off the shelf.
3: (laughs) I never um, heard of it.
0: To to access it, and it ain't on the freaking shelf it's supposed to be. Who's been reading it in here? One of these two dogs who's scratching everything. It's around here somewhere because I wanted to look it up. But it actually
2: sounds really good. I don't quite
0: remember it. Yeah, it does sound good. Yeah.
2: Nate, do you have a preference?
0: I think the original one. Like the actual
1: real story, I would actually mm-hmm. be kind of interested in watching that.
2: It sounded like Rapunzel, if Rapunzel was a shepherd, and and the snow was the prince.
0: I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> well, Maybe i mean, there I mean, it's her, too.
2: It's, it's the, her tears, though. I mean, I'm sort of mixing up, like, who gets blind and does what. But um, I guess the shepherd would be the prince, right, in the Rapunzel story. But that's kind of what it made me think of. Like, it's like a take on that, sort of. Because tears don't really cure blindness. A lot of people don't know that.
0: <laughs> we have we've proved it on this podcast, yes
2: we have um that
3: was super fun, thank you, Joanna
0: yeah, thank you, Joanna. That was a hoot.
3: my pleasure. This was so much fun listening to you guys' uh speculations that was you guys are crazy those are great
2: i'm I'm pretty sure that Dan got two and Nate got two and then one for the original. And I got zero. And I think that happened last time we did this when I played. I, that's why I like being the game show host. But there's no way I could have done this and, and you not know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I think
0: it, it was Nate, and, Nate Nate, against myself last time. And I think Nate got most of them because he got the casting down. This time I tried to focus more on casting than I did last well, time.
2: Well, he got real close. It was Victoria Principal as Mary because.
0: Yeah. I, that's, that's, please. That could, I, I, you know. One of my favorite episodes of Dallas is when she's wearing a uh, like a white bathing suit in the pool in the backyard of the uh, you know Southfork, and she gets up out of the pool in her white bathing suit. And my wife said she heard me gasp when she came up <laughs> out of the water. She said, "Oh, I don't want you watching that, Victoria Prince." She's a anymore. little I, heavenly for sure. I mean,
2: the a <laughs> I I, right. I
0: heard the noise you made, and I said, it "Was it was." It was involuntary.
2: I'm picking, I'm picking a new Joseph. I'm picking, I'm picking Dak Rambo.
0: Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I
2: know he was on cool. Dallas, but like I, when you said bathing, suit, it reminded me of this episode of fantasy Island. I'll just be real quick about this, where he's <laughs> from the past and I can't remember. Tanya Roberts has this fantasy and somehow she ends up Ooh. bringing Dak Rambo back from like 1700s, but he's never seen women the way they look in, you know, 1975. So she takes mm-hmm. him to the fantasy Island pool and there are girls in bikinis. And the look on his face, because he's never seen a woman <laughs> like that before, is so funny. So when you said Victoria Principal coming out of the water, I was picturing Jack Rambo's reaction.
0: <laughs> that works, yeah. It's such an it
2: honest moment in that show, you know what I mean? Like his, it's mm-hmm. such a genuine, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. she's almost naked, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like totally not used to the fact that bathing suits are like a thing now.
0: What what about uh, is it John Beck or what is oh, his name? The... I
2: love John Beck. So. He he
0: would be a great Joseph, especially with that mustache, because I always imagine Joseph had a great mustache. Yeah, but Sam like Elliott has it in
2: his contract that only one mustache per production, and oh it's gosh, I didn't realize that.
0: Okay. So Tom
2: Selleck can't even show up in this thing. <laughs> you know?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mark <laughs> well, uh, Grayson I does I,
2: have an amazing mustache. I don't know what he looks he like does. without it. I've never seen John Beck without the mustache. Mm-hmm.
0: Probably in his contract.
2: Ah, he's a hottie. Um, mm. so okay, so that was our uh, game show episode. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I swear to God, I'm going to cut down on the crushes thing. Just let me get through Christmas. <laughs> let me get—it's a tough time of year, guys. Let me get through Christmas, <laughs> and then I'll—I'll I'll tone down the mistletoe talk. I promise. um no. no. I'm just going to go ahead and real quick uh, do a little self promotion, and then I'll yes, see please. Anybody who else wants to promote anything? So I just got back from Australia um about two weeks ago i'm finally sleeping i'm finally on a u.s time um i went there to promote the book that's coming out in now may 1st as the due date so keep that in mind it may change again um the book is called are you in the house alone a tv movie compendium 1964 to 1999. I edited it. There's lots of great writers in there, including Dan Kayla Janice, who is a film programmer and festival director. was uh, took over Monsterfest in Melbourne, Australia, and she's also a contributor to the book. So she put together a panel to promote this uh, new title that's coming out, and she had two other contributors um, on the panel with me. That was uh, John Harrison and Lee Gambin both amazing writers and also John's wife, Marnine Lynn Fields. I want to make sure I get that name right. Um, She was a stunt woman in like about 30 TV movies. And she was also on like the man from Atlanta. She did a lot of TV. Uh, I just found out recently too, she was, she's like two thirds deaf. So that must've been really hard to be a stunt person because you need your equilibrium. You know what I mean? And, but she's only recently just started talking about that. Like in the last week about uh, that she's been deaf since she was like 18. Anyway, um, she was also on the panel. It was a really amazing night. They screened Bad Ronald. Uh, we sold out of the book. Uh, the panel uh, went by way too fast. We only got through like half of the slides that we had set up for a presentation. I've gotten a lot of good feedback. If you go on Birth, Death, Movies, which is the Alamo Draft House News website, there's a review of the book on there. They really, really liked it, and I'm absolutely grateful for the review. Uh, I also have a re- uh, interview on the Head Press website about the book and sort of about my interest in TV movies and a little bit about the history of TV movies. So Kayla also runs something called the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies, and they're located in three different parts of the world. That is uh, London, New York, and uh, somewhere in Canada. I can't remember where now, maybe Montreal. And um, she's invited me to come to London in April to do another presentation on TV movies. And I'm going to be doing that. Uh, It'll be at the horse. Yay. It'll be at the horse hospital, April 20th. We're still lining up the people, That I'll be speaking with so I don't want to name the person I'm pretty sure I'll be presenting with because in case they don't end up doing it um but you can go on the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies website and get all their information if you live in London I would love to see you uh there's already a few of my online friends in London that are um planning on going so I'm really excited about that uh I also recently did a podcast episode with Nate for his Hysteria Continues podcast we did well,
0: great episode. Great well, episode.
2: We did to all a good night for some reason, even though I talked to Nate all the time, I got real starstruck, you know, cause I listened to this year. <laughs> a lot and all of a sudden I couldn't talk to them. And it was just like, and I felt like everything I said sounded completely stupid, but, um, but it was really fun to do. It's a great movie. I want to thank Nate and his partners for inviting me. So if you're in the mood for a Christmas horror podcast, check that out. Um, also podcast mania, is going to be recording a special commentary podcast next week. This will probably be online right before they record it. I don't want to exactly say what the movie is, even though they've been promoting it, because they haven't actually physically said the title of the film. But it's a Christmas horror film. Um, I'm not sure I'm actually going to make the commentary. Uh, but, Dan, you're going to be there, right?
0: I should be there, yeah. Yeah,
2: and there, there should be some other, you, uh, the regular group of people that are on there. Up, uh, I, I guess Podcast Mania, you can just, look for it on Facebook. It's such a generic term, even though it's really not, you know, podcast mania is not a word everybody uses, but if you look it up on iTunes, there's a lot of people who use the word podcast mania. So just try to find you, this on Facebook. And I think his uh, website is www.podcastmaniafun.wordpress.com.
0: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got his own whims. Yeah. And about who he says it. Yeah. I think if you, if you Google podcast mania, Amanda Reyes, you will get what you need. Wow. I
2: had no
0: idea. Yeah. I, I w- I w- I, yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I'll go with it. And I th- <laughs> and I really, really want to get back to blogging. It's just I've been so busy with every. I mean, it's all been wonderful what's happening, but it's also like taking me away from what I love doing, and that is watching and reviewing TV movies. Who knew that, that making a book about something you love would take you away from that very thing you love? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I also want to tell everybody I love the game show episodes. They're really good for me in particular because they kind of just, are easier for us to do because we don't have to really prep for them um but we're already starting our to plan our schedule for next year and we're going to hit a lot of the classics and we're going to go back to our double features and it's going to be the normal format and i want to i want to talk about as many of these movies as i can i know we kind of veer away from that every yes. so often but um and i also want to update the site which i keep saying we're going to do so i'm going to try to add some things to it uh and so we're at www.tvmayhempodcast.wordpress.com you can find us on Twitter. I think it's just at TV Mayhem podcast. Um, I can't remember our Gmail. I think it might be TV Mayhem podcast at com. But if you go to our website, you'll find the contact us page. And then just on Facebook, just look up the made for TV Mayhem show. Uh, so we'll be back in January. I'm not quite sure what our double feature will be yet, but um, mm-hmm. I have a good idea. And I think in February we're actually going to do some romance movies. I've actually been getting some requests for that. So, yes. I'm super excited about it. Uh, Dan, do you have anything you want to promote? Um, uh,
0: eventually Super Train, my podcast, which you are a part of, uh, right before uh, – well, uh, around the – Sixteenth uh, or seventeenth of December, episode thirteen will go up, which covers episode thirteen of Cobra, episode two of Voyagers, and season two, episode eight of Joni Loves Shachi, which is you and myself talking. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a good time. It's my myself and my wife doing Cobra, our friend Amy the Conqueror from Podcast Made, and myself doing Voyagers, Yay. and you and I doing Joni Loves Shachi. I hope to put a new episode of Dan's Drive and Double Feature up before Christmas which will do a double feature of kids Christmas movies from like the 60s and my wife and I may have a surprise podcast pop up right around Christmas if my wife and I can sit down and record it and uh, oh, and the new thing is um, I've started you know those those one minute podcasts where they do like one minute of Star Wars and it's a podcast where they watch one minute of a movie and discuss it. I'm doing that with Tony Malinowski's Night of Horror.
2: Yeah. Are you gonna do some of that yeah. with Nate?
0: I could do some of that with that. I didn't know if Nate liked Night of Horror. Did you I, I guys don't talk about it.
2: isn't that the one with the piece of tape?
0: Yes, Not of Horror. Well oh, that is a
1: piece of tape is um probably the worst movie I've ever seen, but that makes it possibly. very endearing to me.
0: <laughs> yes, same here. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through it minute by minute. So Nate, possibly when I hit the um the R V traveling section which is like minute 10 through 16 or something if you'd like to join me i'd like to have you on there discussing what we oh, think of
1: i think that would be a lot of fun
0: <laughs> okay yeah so so that's what I, I i thought i'd pick i'd pick because so many people pick movies like back to the future uh lord of the uh, fellowship of the ring oh God, that's gonna take uh, forever. jaws you know yeah. and and You know, where every minute is packed with stuff. I thought I'd pick a movie where every minute isn't packed with anything and just talk about it. So the first episode is up discussing the first minute. The second episode should go up before Christmas. The third episode should go up right after Christmas. And um, when I get to their RV travel, Nate will be joining me for for those when when the piece of black tape is on the screen. So So that's what I'm doing. Plus, I've got a book coming out soon, but we'll talk about that some other time.
2: Nate, do you have
0: anything you want to talk about? Um, uh, not that I can think
1: of. Uh, me and uh, my co-host for the Hysteria Continues did some commentaries recently. We did some for the Initiation. Ooh. Uh, we did one for Absurd. Ooh! Um, oh wow! We've uh, we've actually done a lot of commentaries, um, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, we um, did one for Nailgun Massacre and Don't Go in the yes. Woods. Oh yes, yes. Um, oh, Don't Go in the
0: Woods is beautiful. Yes, yes. I,
1: I love that movie. It's one of my favorite bad movies.
0: <laughs> same here, same here. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's been a lot of fun. You know, getting to do those commentaries. Our most recent one was Happy Birthday to Me.
0: Oh,
2: how exciting! That's oh, such a great that just movie. Just came
0: out. I think did that just come out? Uh, yes, Powerhouse. Films okay uh, released it. Right. Mm-hmm. Is is that the 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 um, absurd? Is that the eighty eight films release? Is that June um, or
1: see? We've done commentaries for eighty eight and for Arrow, and okay. my memory has gone blank. And I don't <laughs> want to quote that it's the wrong company. Like mm-hmm. so, I will say I'm not uh...
0: sure. I, think so. <laughs> I I I love I love absurd I I reviewed it for the Bleeding Skull book I reviewed it and I love that movie that's such a fun goofy movie I, like the I love the
2: soundtrack it. but I have to be honest I like Anthropogus or however you pronounce it a little better there I start huh. I know I'm in the minority on that
0: interesting we'll do a dance drive and double feature of Anthropogus one that's and two and it, yeah. you, you cannot you and I can discuss um, <laughs> discuss that.
2: We can. I fell asleep during Absurd. I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I just.
0: You know. You know what? You get too comfortable sometimes when you watch movies.
2: What does that you mean? You got it.
0: You got. You got You got to put on the hair shirt and sit in an uncomfortable chair. That's how you watch movies.
2: No. I watch no. it with the drink and with the cats. That's how you do yeah. it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, I need to get a list for that for, from you, Nate, um, and I'll email you about that because I can put them on the site you know, all the commentaries and link them to the company. So people can know where to buy them. Um, Yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, Joanna, tell us where we can find you on the social medias.
3: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as tis the season TV. Of course I'm on Facebook uh, Christmas TV history. And um, I wanted to tell you, Amanda, congratulations on getting all the recognition for your hard work and what sounds like a book. And I wanted to thank you, Dan, for uh, your wonderful words about Triple Dog Dare earlier at the beginning of the podcast. of course. That was wonderful. It was great hearing you, uh, hearing your uh, perspective on my book. Thank you.
0: I loved it, yeah. Well, thank
3: you, Joanna. (laughs) Oh, thanks for inviting me. Well, I know this
2: is the busiest time of the year for you, so I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this.
3: Thanks. I love having conversations uh, with you guys. It was fun last year. I was uh, really glad to uh, join you again this year.
2: We're still talking about Brady makeup sex, just so you know, (laughs) (laughs) it follows us everywhere. (laughs) Um, And of course, let's just remind everybody, the name of your book is triple dog dare watching and surviving the 24 hour marathon of a Christmas story. Um, And it's on Amazon. And I will, I will link to that as well uh, when I post this podcast.
3: Right, and uh, if people are interested, they can also get signed copies through the publisher oh. at seventeen zero one press. That's one seven zero one press dot com.
2: Oh, I'll put that on there too. Yeah, that sounds like a better deal actually. Thanks. Um, okay, so. <laughs> I guess we'll see everybody in January. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. I hope everybody's getting time off and can spend time watching all of these amazing yeah. movies that we've produced in this podcast, <laughs> um, particularly ones with Joyce Dewitt and Cindy Williams walking on
0: stilts. Yeah. Yes, through killer snow. Whoa! <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: So, um, and I'll just say good night, everybody. Good night,
0: everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night.
2: Oh,
4: Faithful Joyful and Trials